the thief comes not except to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you might have and enjoy life, life in abundance until it overflows. Discover how to live the abundant life in Christ through the ministry of Pastor Oseyao Afuakwa. Pastor Afuakwa is the founder and general overseer of Embassy of Life Chapel, formerly Faith House Charismatic Chapel International, a thriving ministry headquartered in Kumasi with a network of churches in Kumasi and Accra, Ghana. God has commissioned him to train believers through the teaching of the good news of the kingdom to know God better, live life better, and impact the world better. Get set for an empowerment that will enable you to live a life of all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. God bless you as you listen. Sweet Spirit of God, we thank you. We love you for your presence that can be felt in this place. Thank you, Spirit of God, for this assembling and gathering is unto you. Thank you that you have breathed upon the service already. Thank you that I have grace to teach your word. In the name of our Lord Jesus, touch these lips of clay with fire. and Let your word go forth like hammer breaking in pieces anything that needs to be broken. Burning out of this part anything that needs to be burnt. And healing anyone that needs to be healed. For you sent your word and healed and brought deliverance. Thank you, Spirit of God, for your blessing and your grace that is upon me to teach your word with precision and accuracy so that your name is glorified and your people edified. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Psalm 84 is where we've been studying. Psalm 84, verse 1 and 2. Psalm 84. Psalm 84, verse 1 and 2. Oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. He says, how lovely is your temple, O Lord of the armies of heaven. I long, yes, faint with longing to be able to enter your courtyard and come near to the living God. How lovely is your tabernacle. A single day spent in your temple is better than a thousand anywhere else. I would rather be a doorman of a temple of my God than live in palace of wickedness. One man who was madly in love with God and the Bible so describes him as a man after God's own heart. His name was David. And I said that those of us who have come into the era of grace under the New Testament, David was one Old Testament man that Bible theologians believe that he knew how to appropriate New Testament principles as though he was living under. David seemed to get away with a lot of things that nobody under the Old Testament could easily get away with. And it's because he knew how to position his heart aright. His heart went after God. And one of the things that is clear about a man whose heart is after God is the fact that that person's heart will be in church. If you are genuinely a man whose heart is sold out to God, one of the visible signs is that you would also love to be in church. David, we hear him again and again. He would say, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of God. Now, uh, under that era, they had temples, they had tabernacles, they were meeting in and all of those things. And David was excited every time the church bells rang and he needed to be in church. That was one major proof that David loved God. And if we are called to love God, he said he loved, we love him because he first loved us. So there is a component of a call on us as New Testament believers to love God. And one of the ways we demonstrate our love for God is by loving the church. 
And we can't love the church until we understand what the church is all about. And so, in this series of loving the church, I'm doing part two. What is the church all about? Somebody say, what is the church all about? Last week, we established the fact that once you catch a revelation of the person of Jesus, you would want to know the place or the people that are associated with him. You can't come into fellowship. You can't come into the revelation of who Jesus is. And he will not talk to you about church. What it means is that anybody who has genuinely had an encounter with God will look for people who have had similar encounters and will want to join in fellowship with them. And that's how the church is born. Anybody who comes to believe in Christ wants to identify with others who have believed in Christ. And so Jesus, Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of a living God. And the moment he finished that, Jesus says, Peter, that is the first revelation you need to catch. And revelation is so powerful. Somebody say revelation is powerful. Revelation is so powerful. He caught the revelation of Jesus. Jesus said, Peter, you have caught the foremost and the most important revelation. But there's another revelation you must catch. And that is the revelation of the church. And that is going to depend mostly on you. I will build my church and the gate of hell shall not prevail against it. Organizations will come and go. Businesses will come and go. Cities will come and go. Nations will rise and fall. But there is one thing that is guaranteed to stand all through eternity. And that is the church of God. Praise God. That's why it's so important. You see, we need to understand the church. When we understand the church, it's easy for us to invest in the church. It's easy for us to be committed to the church. It's easy for us to flow with the church. You see, the church is one organization. Anybody or any group of people or any institution that will ever stand against it can never succeed. Jesus said it. I will build it and the gates of hell. And it's actually suicidal to attempt to do that. The first person and the only being that Jesus encountered him after he came to finish his redemptive work on the cross and went was someone who was stubbornly persecuting the church. His name was Paul. He met Paul by himself because when you touch the church, you have touched Jesus himself because the church is his body. And we need to catch a proper revelation of the church well. Unfortunately, there are a lot of people in church who don't even understand why we go to church. They just feel that, oh, the church is a place. Let's just go. Let's identify with the people. Church is an event. No, 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 no. The church is much more than that. It's bigger, way, way, way bigger than that. And until we catch that revelation, even our investment in the church will not bring us the dividends we so desire or we are so entitled to because we lack revelation. Last week, we said the church is not a building. Somebody say it's not a building. Number two, the church is not an event you attend. Churches meet in buildings. And like you can see this beautiful design, by the grace of God, we are going to build it. It's a meeting place where we meet for fellowship. We need a meeting place. But the church is more than a meeting place. So COVID came and everything was on hold. But the church was still functioning. Because the church is not a building. The building is important. But the church, we said, is a community. A spiritual community of people to which you belong within a specified locality. That is spiritual community. Somebody says spiritual community. The word is community. Communal is the opposite of individualistic or being alone. Communal. We commune. We share fellowship. That's where the word communion comes from. Communion. Communal. 
fellowship. That's what it is. It's a spiritual community of people to which I belong. So when you see the church as a place, if you don't go there, you will not see yourself as connected to it. When you see the church as an event, if there's no event, you don't feel it. But when you understand that the church is a group of people to which you belong, or a community of people to which you belong, anywhere you meet the person you have met, am I communicating? And that's why Jesus could say, where two or three are gathered together, there I am in the midst of them. But we establish the fact that there could be different, different communities. There are different communities. Different communities. Different communities. People can gather under different umbrellas. So when we talk about the church as a community, what kind of community is it? Number one, we said the church is a community of connected people. Somebody say connected people. Say connected people. Okay, and we see that in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 5 to 6. I'm not in a hurry to do this teaching because if you don't get this, you will never get the most out of church. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things in him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined. Somebody say the whole body joined. Say the whole body joined. So the church is a group of people who are joined together. We are together. Somebody say we are together. Yes. Brother shared a powerful testimony about how God healed him through cancer. He was diagnosed with thyroid cancer last year. And it's been a terrible journey for him. But through the prayers and the support of the church, you should have heard his testimony. He's come out strong and healed. Praise God. The church. That's why Jesus said, if two of you shall agree on earth. So when we come together, one of the things Satan tries his best to stop us from doing is coming into agreement because he knows that when we become a united front, he cannot stand us. One who chase a thousand, two shall put ten thousand to flight. In the book of Acts, the reason why there was a lot of flow of power, there was a flow of virtue, was because they were united and with one accord they prayed, with one accord they met, with one accord they met in the temple. I mean, that was one major characteristic about the church, and it was because they understood that they were connected. Somebody said they were connected. When you come to church, seek to connect people. Don't seek to disintegrate people. For one of the things the Bible actually warns us against, and it tells us that we should separate from people, are people who cause divisions. Because division is not the spirit of church. You go talk to this person about that person, you go talk to that person about, and then you create confusion. You knock people's heads against the other. That is not the spirit of Christ, and it's obviously not the spirit of church. We are connected. You may be a banker, I may be a carpenter, but we are connected. You may have a degree, I may have none, we are connected. You may be a student, I may be a worker, but we are connected. You can speak English, I can speak pidgin, we are connected. You can speak English, I don't speak anything at all, but I can hear English, we are connected. I'm not communicating here. You must understand there should not be any room for segregation in the church. Why? Because we are connected. We belong to one God. We have one faith. We have one hope. We are baptized with one baptism. All of us are one in Christ. In Christ Jesus, there is neither male nor female. There is neither boss or servant. There is neither doctor or architect. All of us are one in Christ. Turn to your neighbor and say, we are connected. Say, we are connected. So the church is a community of people who are connected. Connected. Don't be in church and have no friend in church. By all means, identify someone and flow with him. Get along with somebody. Get along with people in the church. In fact, there are some people, their character is so cantankerous. They can't get along with anybody. 
and they can carry it everywhere. They go to work. They can't get along with people at work. They go and live in somebody's house. They can't get along with a person. And they are just like that. Everywhere they go, there is confusion and strife. When you come to church, try your best to leave that cantankerous spirit outside. The church is a place where we connect. And I tell people all the time, you in this, our mega church here, there are people inside you don't know. And if you will learn to connect with them, there are certain blessings God can even use them to open for you. Doors certain people can open for you and you have no idea of. But you are into yourself. You don't open up to anybody. You don't greet anybody. You come with your husband and then when you go, you go with your wife. That's all. You don't interact at all. That is not the spirit of church. Somebody say connected people. Connected. Number two, the church is a community of contributing people. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 16. Everybody has some role to play. Look at that. From whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its. Does its. Every part does its what? Somebody say, I have a share. Say, I have a share. And he said, doing share. It's not a consuming share. It's a contributing share. Yeah. They used to have a, a saying, NCNC, secondary school, no contribution, no chop. Yeah. People come to church, they don't want to contribute nothing. Their leg, no day inside. Their mouth, no day inside. Their money, no day inside. They just come. That's not the spirit of church. Church is a place where we make our gifts available for the advancement of God. God has given you unique gifts that must be used for the benefit of the body. He says, every joint, now look at that. He said, when every joint does its share, what happens? It causes the growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. So a church can never grow until individual members find their place and they begin to function in their place. For a church to grow in a healthy manner, everybody must do something. Everybody must put their hands on the plow. And I pray that during this season, the Holy Spirit will speak to your heart and you will find your place and you will begin to function in your place. Somebody shout an amen. amen. Shout an amen. amen. Alright, so that is the first two levels. The church is a community of connected people, a community of contributing people, and a community of somebody say committed. committed. A community of what? Committed people. A community of committed people. Commitment is a word that we need to say and say it again. A lot of people can connect, but not few people are willing to commit. Because committed people go the long haul. Committed people are people who are tireless in their engagement. Committed people are tireless, they are zealous, they are always available. It's not because it's convenient. There are many people who want to connect with Christ conveniently, not committedly. God never called us for convenient relationship. He called us for a lifetime of commitment. We see that in the book of Acts. The Bible says, and they committed themselves. Look at that. They committed. Somebody said they committed. There were things they committed themselves to. When you come to church, there are things we come to commit ourselves to. You have to commit yourself to them. And in this service, that's where we want to look at. There are three levels of commitment in church. Three levels. One is commitment to the person of Christ. Every member of the church must be committed to the person of Christ. In fact, 
The thing that holds us together, things fall apart, the center cannot hold. Somebody wrote a song and said, Jesus, you are the center of it all. Jesus is at the center. Our relationships, they revolve around him. So all of us, when I'm committed to Christ, you are committed to Christ, we can have a relationship. So we have to be committed to the person of Christ. Number one, we have to be committed to the people of Christ. You can't say, I love God, but I don't like the church. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not possible. You can't love God and not love his body. Oh, pastor, I love you, but I don't like your leg. No, 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 no. You can't separate me from, if you saw me without legs, I'll look like something else. Jesus is the head. The church is his body. When you are in love with the head, you are in love with the body. You can't choose some and leave some. All the people in the church may not be likable people, but they are people you are commanded to love. There are people who don't like, you know. Are there some people you really don't like? Yes. In the church, would there be some people you may not like? Truly. But you are obliged to love them. Am I communicating here? Yes. And love is stronger than like. When love becomes deeper, you come to like them without even knowing why. When the love is real, when the love is agape, commitment to the people of Christ. You have to be. Some of us are committed to uh, charity organizations, old school organizations, political parties than you are committed to God. That is against the spirit of Christ. For a believer to be more committed to a political cause than you are committed to Christ. Whose blood saved you? Because if Jesus' blood saved you and you know your value, you'll be committing your energy and your resources to the right thing. Some of us, we give more money to things that have little or no bearing on the kingdom that we give to church. Every month you pay dues to an old student's association. You pay dues to a political party, but your tithe is very inconsistent. You are not committed to the people of Christ. And then number three, is commitment to the purposes of Christ for the church. Somebody say the purposes of Christ for the church. Say it aloud, the purposes of Christ for the church. Commitment to the purposes of Christ for the church. You must understand that God established the church for a purpose. The church exists to fulfill a purpose. And it's not, your purpose is not my purpose, it's God's purpose. God is the one who purchased the church. The Bible says, and I urge you, who have been made the Holy Ghost, take it unto yourself and to the flood, which of well, which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers. So the Holy Ghost has made people overseers of the church that he purchased with his own blood. With his own blood. So the church is owned by God. Somebody say the church is owned by God. And let me tell you, no matter what it is you want to design. This is a product of Apple. And Apple can only determine the purpose for this. They manufactured it and they decide what we use this tablet for. Some of you, you may want to play football with it. You can't do that. You can't play football with this because it's not meant for you to play football with it. That's not the purpose for it. And when we don't understand God's purpose for the church, we may want to do other things with the church. We may want to take advantage of people with the church. We may want to do all kinds of things with it because we don't understand God's purpose for the church. And let me tell you, there are five expectations God expects from every genuine child of God. Unless you are a bastard child of God. But if you are a legitimate child of God, there are five things God expects of you. Somebody say five things. God expects of me. Say, I'm a child of God. And God 
my father has five expectations of me. Now, these five things God expects from you are also the basis for the five purposes of God for the church. Five expectations. All of your life, there are five main things God expects of you. And these are the things that form the basis of God's purpose for the church. Number one, God expects me to be a member of his family. Somebody say, God expects me to be a member of his family. God expects you to be a member of his family. First Peter 1, 3. It says, all the glory to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. For it is his boundless mercy that has given us the privilege of being born again. So that we are now members of God's own family. When you get born again, what do you become? A member of God's own Somebody say, I'm a member of God's own family. When you become born again, you become a member of God's own family. You cannot go through life alone. Following Jesus begins with believing. Or following Christ begins with believing. But it doesn't end there. Following Jesus Christ is not just a matter of believing. It's a matter of belonging. When you believe, you must belong. The Bible said those that believe, they were together. Once you believe, you must join the family. You must flow with the family. God gave us the benefit of a spiritual family for our own benefit right here on earth. Every child of God is expected to be a part of God's family. Church membership is not optional. You can't say, I'm a Christian, but I stay at home. You can't say, I'm a Christian, but I only watch online. No, a Christian must belong to a certain local church family that he can publicly identify with. So God expects me to be a member of his family. Somebody say it. Alright, so that membership helps us to fulfill one of God's purposes for the church, which is fellowship. How do we become members of God's family? We become members of God's family through fellowship. Fellowship is one of the purposes of the church. Through fellowship. Number two, God expects me to be a model of his character. Somebody say a model of his character. Say God expects me to be a model of his character. Yeah. When you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, the process has just begun for you to become like God on the earth. Jesus said that he that has seen me has seen the Father. And anyone who sees you must also see Christ. Look at 1 Peter 2 verse 21. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an heir. Leaving you an heir. Leaving you an heir that you should follow in his steps. That is a model. Follow me. Follow me. That's why Paul was speaking. He said, follow me as I follow Christ. You have to be a model. People must see Christ in you. God wants every believer to grow up to become like Christ. The Bible says, them that he did for know them, he predestinated that they might be conformed to the image of his dear son. Ultimately, God wants everybody to be like Christ. How do we become like Christ? We become like Christ as we grow in godly character. We become like Christ as we grow in godly character. And one of the character traits we need to be strong in is love. Somebody say love. In first, first Timothy chapter 4 verse 12, he said, Don't let anyone look down on you. The Bible tells us areas we must be modeled. 
He said, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example. In other words, be a model for the believers in what? Speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Now, these are areas God expects you to be a model. May you receive grace to be a model. We have to be models in love. When people see us, they must see us as people who walk in love. Not a Christian who is throwing curses. If you do this, I will curse you. No, 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 no. That's not God's character. The other day, Jesus was working with some disciples and some people reacted in a negative way. They said, ah, should we call down fire like Elijah did? Jesus said, you people, you are still living in the Old Testament. And there are a lot of believers who are still living in that era. They curse they do all kinds of things. Some people can even call some water, the name of some water, to curse somebody. Hey, you've gone very far. We have to be example in character, in love. The Bible said, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loves is born of God and knows God. One of the authentic proofs that a person truly is mature and loves God is his love life. Love for people. Love for those who deserve to be loved. Love for those who don't deserve to be loved. We grow up to become models of God's character through discipleship. Somebody say discipleship. Say discipleship. Yeah, discipleship. Discipleship is an avenue through which we grow into godly character. We grow to become like him in character through discipleship. Number three, God expects me to be a minister of his grace. Somebody say a minister of his grace. A minister of his grace. God expects me to be a minister of his grace. Many people don't think of themselves like that. They come to church and they expect other people to minister to them. So they come, the choir will minister to them, ushers will minister to them, pastor will come and preach and minister to them, and they never minister to anybody. That's not the spirit of church. In church, all of us are called to be ministers. Somebody say, I'm called to be a minister. Say, I'm called to be a minister. Yeah, that's, that's what you are called to be. That's how I'm called to be a minister. You are called to be a minister. God expects all of us to stand in the place because he's given us what we need to minister to others. Romans 12, verse 6 to 8. Romans 12. Let's read it together. One go. In his grace, God has given us a different gift for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, uh-huh. And if your gift is serving others, uh-huh. Uh-huh. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is given, give generously. Am I communicating here at all? Now, so all of us have been gifted in one way or the other. Everybody. First Peter chapter 4 verse 10. He said, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. You have received a gift. Somebody say, I've received a gift. And you see, when we come to church, one of the things the church does, it helps us to unearth or discover that gift so that we can make it available for the, advance, the benefit of others and for the advancement of the church. All of us all of us and that opportunity comes in different forms it comes as we gather in small groups it comes as we gather in our various fellowship meetings it comes in diverse ways but some of us when even an opportunity is given we shy away from it how else will you know your gift how else will you be able to discover your gift 
every one of us. We minister God's grace to others through service. I minister God's grace to others through service. Yeah, so you have to find some, some place and be serving. Young man, don't come to church and just walk away. Join the prayer force. Join the choir. Join the ocean. You have to be actively be doing something in the house of God. Serve. Serve. The Bible said the greatest among you shall be your servant. So we've been sent forth or God expects us to be ministers of his grace. And then number four, God expects me to be a messenger of his love. Somebody say, I'm a messenger. Say, I'm a messenger. A messenger is someone who has been sent with a message. We've been sent by God and we've been given a message. And that message is God's love for humanity. God so loved the world and he's still in love with the world. He sent his only son for everybody who acknowledged him to be saved. The whole world is potentially saved awaiting their admission, acknowledgement and confession. Because the price for the salvation of humanity has been paid. And it's not be paid again. So anybody who is not saved around us is unsaved because Satan has blinded his eyes from seeing the light of the glorious gospel. The day they see it and they acknowledge it, salvation becomes a reality. So you and I are messengers of God's love. How many people do we share that love with? How many people do we communicate the message with? How many people don't we meet every day? How many of such are we bold enough to share the gospel with them to help them appreciate that the love of God for them is real and authentic. Look at what the Bible says, Acts chapter 20, verse 24. Acts 20, 24. Let's read it together. But life is worth nothing unless I use it for doing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. What is the work? The work of telling others the good news about God's mighty kindness and love. There's a work for us. Somebody says there's work for me to do. That's why when you got born again, you were not whisked away into heaven. No. God could have brought a chariot like he took Elijah away. He could bring chariot and tomorrow. But listen, as long as you remain in this tabernacle, you are more useful to God on earth now. When you get born again and you don't see yourself raptured, it means God needs you here on earth much more than he needs you in heaven. There is a business for us to do here that nobody else can do. As for the singing we do here, we do it in heaven. There are two things we cannot do in heaven. We cannot share God's love with anybody in heaven. And then we cannot preach salvation to anybody in heaven. And we cannot sin in heaven. Those are the two things we do on earth. And now that you are born again, which of these two do you think God wants us to do? Obviously, reaching out to others. Look at what the Bible says. The work of telling others. Look at... 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17 to 20. He says, when somebody becomes a Christian, please take note. When I become a Christian, he becomes who? A brand new person. Becomes a brand new person, what? He is not the same. Somebody say, I'm not the same anymore. Yeah. Why are you occupying? Come first now. Come first now. No. Come make it come out. You're not sure. No. You are a different person. Somebody say I'm a different person. Why a lucky says you say Masatra? No, 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 no. You see, you are a new person. He says he's a brand new person. The old is gone. He's not the same. A new life has 
a new life has what? Now, look at the first thing that he begins to tell you. The new life has begun. It means a new work must also begin. And he begins to tell us. He said, all these things were from God who brought us back to himself through what Christ Jesus did. And has given us the privilege of urging everyone to come into his favor and be reconciled to him. Look at verse 19. Let's read it together. For God was in Christ restoring the world to himself, no longer counting men's sins against them, but blotting them out. This is the wonderful message he has given us to tell others. Isn't that a wonderful message? That you are supposed to go to hell now. There is no hell for you. And all you need to do to step out of hell into eternal heaven is to acknowledge the lordship of Jesus Christ. I think that's good news. That is what you and I have. That's the message. That angels cannot tell anybody else but us. Look at verse 20. He said, we are Christ's ambassadors. God is using to do what? May I ask you, is God using your mouth to speak to others? Or you are just using it to gossip? What do you use your mouth for? Do you use it to just eat? Or you just use it to talk and talk and talk and gossip about this? He said, God is using us to speak to you. We beg you as though Christ himself were pleading with you. Receive the love he offers to be reconciled to God. That's the message we have. And that's the responsibility God has given us. Anywhere you find yourself, that you must always know that in your workplace, you are there as a messenger of God's love. In your school, you are there as God's messenger of God's love. In your neighborhood, you can't be a messenger of enmity, confusion, hellfire, and brimstone. No, you are a messenger of God's love. You need to let everybody know God loves you. And he loves you so badly that even if you are the only person on the planet, he would have sent his only begotten son to come and die for you. You are of value to God. He needs you. He loves you. And he longs to have fellowship with you. That is a message that we need to communicate to all. We fulfill our role as messengers of God's love through evangelism. That's what we do. We fulfill our role as messengers of God's love through evangelism. And then of course, number five, God expects me to be a magnifier of his name. Somebody say, a magnifier of his name. Psalm 34 verse 3. He said, oh, magnify the Lord with me. And let us exhort his name together. And I want to appeal to you as a, your pastor. Those of you who habitually come to church late, come at the time worship is over. You are not fulfilling the true purpose of fellowship. It's fundamental that you program yourself. Some of you, if God decided to time when we will be raptured to heaven, you will miss it. Because you are so habitually late and you don't see anything wrong with it at all. Coming to church must not be something that you just happen. You plan. You plan. You plan. There is nothing that we mean to do that you won't plan ahead to do it. And if you plan, there is no way you will come to church late. People have all kinds of excuses. I, I don't give this at all. They, want, they come late because they want to be late. The Bible says we come to magnify his name. Coming to church, when you come to church, you are part of opening prayer, you are part of worship. Part of worship. The church goes in a different way for you. Am I communicating? It's always different. When you come and the, the, everything is there, you just come and sit down. Uh, what do you do? You didn't minister to God, you want him to minister to you. That is a consumer mentality. Am I communicating here? The Bible says, let us come before him with singing. Worship is an integral part of our existence. 
But we lift up holy hands and we begin to bless God. Your hands are lifted. We are in deep worship. You are in deep worship. Not uh, checking what is happening on your phone. The Bible said, I am the Lord. There is no God before me. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all your heart. If you don't learn to worship, eh, your love life with God will not be tight. Because worship is your opportunity to romance with God. That, that, that is a platform of demonstrating love. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And we magnify God through worship. That's what we do. So, there are five purposes of the church. Somebody say five purposes of the church. Say five purposes of the church. Can you give me that template? Five purposes. The summary of the five purposes of the church as follows. One, worship. Somebody say worship. Worship is where we magnify God. Number two is fellowship. Fellowship is where we become members of God's family. Discipleship is where we go out as messengers of God's love. And service is where we minister to one another. Discipleship is where we model God's character. Sorry. Service is where we minister God's love to one another. And evangelism is where we go out as messengers of God's love. It's my prayer that the grace of God will rest upon you. That you will become a true member of the family of God. In the name of Jesus. That you will rise up and be grown and develop into the model of God's character. And that you will become a man who ministers to others in church. That you will carry the message of God's love to everyone around you. And that you will rise up to fulfill your destiny in Christ. So it shall be in your life. Lift up your hands and begin to thank God. Give him praise. Give him glory. Afroqua has just placed in your hands the key for all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. Share your testimonies with us on 020-422-5790 or email us at embassyoflifechapel at gmail.com. Get interactive with Pastor Afroqua on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. For more information, visit our website at www.embassyoflife.org. Fellowship with us this and every Sunday for our celebration services at our headquarters church, 6.45 a.m. to 8 a.m. for our first service, 8.30 a.m. to 9.45 a.m. for our second service, and 10.15 a.m. to 11.30 a.m. for our third service, and on Wednesdays for our discovery service from 6 p.m. to 7.45 p.m. Locate us on the top floor of Nanama Ejakumar Plaza, opposite the Unity Oil Station, Santati Runabout, Kumasi, Ghana. Alternatively, you can join us online for our services on our YouTube and Facebook pages, Embassy of Life Chapel. God richly bless you. Oh, 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 oh,